welcome to episode 21 of Coffee and Co-Read, your source for all things literary, with Kristen and Catherine, where we believe there's nothing better than a hot coffee and an awesome book. Join us for our virtual book club, where we take one book a month and dive into all the drama, adventure, and romance we can find. Hey, Kristen. Hi, Catherine. So we figured we'd talk about some popular books that um, we don't like as much as uh, some other people do. I guess there's a lot of like, there's a lot of popular books, especially on Instagram and TikTok that um, people will really rave about. But then when you read them, you are kind of left thinking, why though? So... I know I've had a few of them semi-recently, um, but what about you, Kristen? Um, so I do have a couple of recent ones, but I also have quite a few that are more like old school that sort of predate mm. Instagram and uh, TikTok. <laughs> so yeah, so for me, uh, one of the ones that is sort of really popular right now is uh, the From Blood and Ash series by Jennifer L. Armentrue. Um, and and to be honest, I I didn't dislike the first book in the series. Mm-hmm. You actually suggested it to me last year, and I read it very quickly, and I was actually enjoying it. And then I read the second one, and it was okay there was some questionable consent sort of stuff in there and Mm -hmm. um seemed to fall back on a lot of um similar lines and similar tropes like yeah it just felt like the main couple who I actually really liked um like kept saying this repeating the same lines over and over again to each other or like kept having the same issue over and over again and it just sort of felt like you know it just stilted the the writing a little bit Mm -hmm. very Um, repetitive very repetitive and I did manage to get to the third book which is um the crown of gilded bones and I think I got maybe like 100 pages in and I just got very confused um (laughs) (laughs) with the like just no no shame no like no shade or anything like that I just got very confused with the like plot the the plot and just like you know there are vampires but then there are like one step above them but then there are also then one step above them and then there's another step above them of like mystical mm-hmm. beings and then she's related to like three tiers above i just couldn't wrap my head around it and just found it a bit convoluted yeah. um and and again like the repetitiveness didn't help yeah i'm just gonna cut in here because i did the exact same thing for the exact same reason yeah. literally got to book three mm-hmm. of the series and then i was like i hadn't even read the other ones super like early based on when I was reading the third one and I was like I feel like to understand this book I would need to start at the first one again and read them straight in a row and it just felt like too much effort to put into a book that like you said is repetitive and 
the like there was just so it was like miscommunication trope after miscommunication trope after miscommunication trope and I was like I I can't do this again (laughs) but yeah I just I had to cut in there because I literally stopped at the same book for the exact same reason and and to be fair like I I honestly do feel almost feel bad saying like mentioning it because I did really um enjoy what the author tried to do Mm -hmm. like I like the idea and I actually did really like the character development of the first two of the the main couple I really liked their character development in book one yeah and I thought she did a great job but I don't know if there was like I don't know how long she was working on the first book Mm -hmm. to get it out then um book two came out the very same year and book three came out the very next year Mm -hmm. and book four is set I think to come out late this year maybe next year I feel like it's this year though yeah so I just I just feel like she's pumping them out well and she she wrote a prequel that already came out this year right so it just seems like maybe um, there's pressure on her to get them out in a timely manner and or a timely manner, sorry, and maybe like the substance is falling a little bit. Yeah. But like again, I still really liked the first book and I again I really like the characters she created. I just the repetitiveness really got to me. Yeah. Um <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna get a lot of hate for this one, but uh The Cruel Prince by Holly Black. I could not like I did manage to almost read the whole thing of the, the first whole book. first one okay the whole first book yeah and and it could partly be my fault in that I do tend to uh wikipedia things because <laughs> I like if I I get annoyed with how things are going I want to make sure it turns out in a way that I'm okay with and I've mentioned that before mm-hmm. um but I just, like, I couldn't, I just didn't like any of the characters. Like, really, except for the older sister that wanted mm. to, like, escape. She's the she's the only fairy and she wants to go back to the human world. Yeah, that's, like, obviously I didn't like the stepmother or the, de- or, like, the father figure. And I didn't like any of, like, the mean group of fairies. Um, and I wasn't even a huge fan of Jude, to be honest, because I didn't really understand her motivation. Like she wanted to stay in fairy. Why? Her life was terrible. Like, Mm -hmm. I understand it was the only thing she knew, but like, just, just move on. Like, just (laughs) go be with your sister who loves you and like live amongst the humans because that's what you are. Yeah. And And Jude's twin sister. Oh my God. Even worse. Whatever her name is. Taya or Tyra or something I literally could not stand her I could not believe she did what she did no spoilers Mm -hmm. but it was the absolute like I would have kicked her in the shins in the shins yes (laughs) I just so yeah I just couldn't I couldn't grow to enjoy any of the characters and I didn't really care what happened to them so I'm sorry bookstagram (laughs) <laughs> book talk book TikTok, whatever like don't come for me I can't help it it's just my personal choice that's fair 
Um, going sort of older school now, uh, going to some, so, um, the Diana Gabaldon series, uh, Outlander, uh, I managed to, I, I started reading those ages ago and I stopped at, (laughs) I stopped at book five, A Breath of Snow and Ashes, um, not for any reason, but just sort of a similar thing. It was just sort of repetitive. Like they were living back in time. They had to stop a historical event, couldn't stop it. So they participated and tried to like make the best of it. Oh, and then they're separated. Oh, and then they're back together because they love each other. Oh, and then they're separated again. Oh, and then they're back together. It just felt repetitive. And I just Mm -hmm. like, I just couldn't get into it. And they're also like, you know how some books are like really long but mm-hmm. you could still get through them in like a couple of days. Yeah. This is not one of those series. Like her mm-hmm. books are like 600 pages a piece and it takes a while to get through them. Like you can't sit and binge it. Yeah. So I just, I just couldn't continue. Yeah. But it just got repetitive for me. Um, <laughs> Wayward Son, Rainbow Rowell. Uh, I know you recommended Carry On to me and I did read it. And I really liked it and I was really excited to read the next one. And it just like, it just was, I just, again, like, I don't know. It just was maybe slow to start or it just took a while to get to the action. Things just were not connecting the way that they mm-hmm. did in the first book. Yeah. Um, going real old school now. <laughs> um, Hollywood Wives. <laughs> It's a book that came out in 1983. <laughs> like, a, and I obviously didn't read it in 1983. <laughs> but I don't know how, but it, it went through my friend group back when we were in like, I don't know if we were in high school or just leaving high school or something like that. One of my friends had a copy and read it and said, this is amazing. Like everyone should read it. So like everyone in my friend group took a turn Mm -hmm. with it and I just didn't like it at all. It was like literally, there was like 20 different characters. So like it changed points of view to like Mm -hmm. all those different characters. And it was just, I just couldn't get, I couldn't get it. But like I looked it up and apparently, so it's by Jackie Collins and it was like her most popular book. It sold like 15 million copies. And I just, I don't, I don't understand how. <laughs> uh, and then the last one, and again, people, please don't come for me for this one because it's a classic, but um, Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. I really didn't like it. And I was forced to read it in high school. And I'm putting it on this list because I will argue to my dying day that it is not a good book. I just don't like it. And all the main character, Holden Caulfield, whatever his name is, all he does is complain the whole time. And I find that bothersome. Yeah. Like, to me, it's not like, I don't know. I don't know who's going to argue with me about it. I know some people probably would. I just, I could not. I, I just can't. I used to actually argue with my English teacher about because he would try and argue its merits and I would be arguing right back saying, no, this is terrible in Mm -hmm. high school. And it's sort of it's funny now because I've worked with him as an adult (laughs) (laughs) 
And it's one of the only things he remembers about me as a student. <laughs> in a good or a bad way? Um, not in a bad way, actually. Oh, he's like good. he he's like, you know, you had an opinion and you voiced it, so good for you. He was like, I don't agree with you, but at least, you know, you were one of the few that, you know, voiced your opinions. Well, so, and had one on a book that most people did not read. Probably, yes. And, you know, at least I talked about it, but still, I, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. What are, what's on your list? Books you didn't like? Yeah. So I'm going to start with um, every single book that I was forced to read in school. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so Catch every, and Rise, probably on one? that list. Yeah. Like, what about the Shakespeare ones? Mm, they're plays. They're not books. <laughs> wow. Uh, no, but I I honestly I didn't like them at the time because I didn't understand what the fuck I was reading. <laughs> so <laughs> I I'll stick by that. I'll stand by my stance of every single book I read. Um didn't you have to read the which one? The Giver, so good. Oh yeah, no, I didn't have to read it. And who is Francis Rain? So good. Oh, actually, I did read that one. Ha. And I, I liked that one. Thank that you. That was a good one. Yeah. Yes. That was that was grade seven, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I well, and Dracula. I like Dracula, but I read it before I had to read it in school because I was obsessed with vampires anyway. So yeah. that was a bit different. But any of the ones that like. Like I The Pearl. I don't know if I read that. Oh, my God. It was terrible. Well, and then the other thing, too, especially in, like, grade 12, they were like, you need to make sure you read two of these five books for the essay so that you can compare and contrast. So I I only read two of the five books (laughs) at best, if I even read them. Like, I was, I was, like, such a reader growing up, but I refused for some reason. I don't even know why. But anyway, um... I'll I'll start with one that I remember hating with the most passion was Heart of Darkness uh, by Joseph Conrad. And I don't even think I finished the book, but it was my first year of university and I was doing an English course and I was like, I'm going to actually put some effort into reading these. And I was like, I don't even know why or what about it. I think it's just somebody telling me I have to read something and I'm automatically like, I can't. (laughs) Just... (laughs) Although, although I Which tell you where I things, am, I tell you to read things all the time. But it's where I am with with shows with you now. You're like, <laughs> watch true. this, and I'm like, no. <laughs> so it's very true. similar to that. Um, yeah. Uh, I also remember when I was younger. I think before I started reading Harry Potter, um, I went to chapters, and they were like, "This book will be good for this child," and it was Sunwing by Kenneth Opal. Mm-hmm. I just could not get into it. And I don't even, it was so long ago, but I don't remember why, but I just did not like it. That actually is a book that we still do in junior high English. Oh, really? Yeah, they do it in grade seven English, yeah. That's hilarious. I didn't have to read it for school, but they suggested it and uh, yeah, didn't love it. Um, Two that I'm kind of going to group together are Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell. And, like, I love the Carry On series by her. But just the way the book goes isn't really my genre of book, I've decided. And Paper Towns by John Green. 
the way the way the books read, it's not I guess I'm more of a fantasy reader than or and a romance reader than whatever genre these books are because they're kind of just like snapshots in people's lives and then they end and it doesn't actually conclude with anything. So you're just like, what, why did I bother reading this is how I feel. And I know some people love that kind of book, which is completely fine, but it just didn't resonate with me and I didn't love it. Um, I got to throw in 50 shades of gray. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) I, I couldn't read it because my mother read it. So (laughs) I couldn't even look at the books. (laughs) I know you actually read them, but I couldn't, I physically saw that my mother had copies of them and I was like, I cannot. And I I have not read them and I will never read them. (laughs) Do you know what my like worst decision ever was? (laughs) So I read them. And I don't know if my mom, I don't know if my mom read them or not, but um, my husband and I and our firstborn child when she was a small baby were uh, on vacation uh, with my mom and my dad and my husband's mom and dad, uh, and we were all on vacation. And we, (laughs) the first Fifty Shades movie had just come out in theaters. Oh my god. So, I guess sort of as a break for me from the baby, like mm-hmm. here go off for a couple hours, why don't you go do something? So, we decided to go see a movie, and when we got to the theater, that's what was playing, so that's what we all went to see. So, it was literally me, my mother, and my mother-in-law watching <laughs> 50 shades. Oh my god. Oh, it was it was it was something. <laughs> it was something. It was awkward as fuck. Wow. Anyway, I will never make that mistake again. Yeah, that is, that's impressive. I can just imagine. Wow. Uh, yeah. I did, I did go see one of the movies with you and like found it hilarious and like it was good in a campy way, kind of mm. the same way that Twilight is. Like, I don't dislike it, but I will never read the book solely because my mother read them. But I will <laughs> say that as as sort of as cringy as the movies are, the books are worse. Okay, well, I'm never going to read the books. <laughs> so, <laughs> can't. Uh, another series, I guess, that I think we both read is uh, the House of Night series by PC Cast and Kristen Cast, and um, I remember it started off good, yeah, but then it it kind of just went downhill, and I lost interest very quickly. So yeah. it kind of reminds me of like the from from Blood and Ash series. I don't know if maybe it was too repetitive. I actually can't remember. It's been quite some time since I read it, but mm-hmm. I that could be the reason. I just. I know that fell off the radar. I know that there's like 20 of them now. There are so many. Well, it would have to get repetitive at that point. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way around it. Yeah. Um, Two more recent ones, I guess, are Punk 57 by Penelope Douglas. It was very, 
high school for me. And I, I just, I think I'm just too old for it. And I just did not relate to it in any way. And I was like, where are these children's parents kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. You're not relating to the characters anymore. You're relating to the, the, like the adults. Yeah. But it was like, but it's like a smutty book. So it was even, I was like, Ugh. right. So I'm too old for that book, which I guess is more my fault than the book's fault. <laughs> but, yeah. um, and the last one that I, that I read recently is, um, the kiss quotient series by Helen Hohen. Uh, I do feel like it got better the further I got into the series. So I did read all three books, so I didn't hate it that much. But I think I mostly read it because, like, it it was a different – so there's um, different characters in each series that are autistic. And I – like, that kind of representation isn't normal in books. So I think that's mm-hmm. kind of, like, what kept me reading. Um, but the – like, I didn't dislike them. I just – didn't love them as much as some people do love them on the interwebs. Right. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to get into this week, but just a heads up, we are not a spoiler-free zone and things might get a little bit saucy. Yeah. So um, we are reading uh, chapters 32 to 42 today. Uh, so last week... Um, Selena found a secret passageway, uh, in her room, uh, and it brought her down, uh, to a tomb that had, uh, the sarcophagi of, uh, King Gavin and Queen Elena, uh, who were rulers of, um, Adderlin. Uh, a thousand years ago and they there are like fairy tales about them now about and like legends about how they defeated like the dark uh entity and like ruled the world like saved the day essentially uh and she actually gets visited by uh i'm gonna call her like specter elena and Mm -hmm. she's sort of cryptic and gives her some like you have to rid the castle of evil sort of things. And she's being really cryptic. And um, and Selena sort of, like, identifies it and then just sort of, like, moves on with her life and dealing with the championship, like, the competition that she's still in. Um, she learns about things called word marks from Nehemia. And... Um, and the yeah the last thing that we talked about was she did a another challenge to do with poisons and she trusted her little buddy Peller who was like the young assassin uh and he sort of steered her in the right direction um so yeah uh the next sort of time we see Selena after uh this challenge um there's a a quite a significant time jump i guess we'll say uh so we lead up and there's only one month left till yulemis 
um, another champion has died. So that's what? That's, that's up there now. There's like, I think around three or four that have yeah. been murdered at this point. Yeah. Um, it's becoming more common. So she's out strolling with Princess Nehemia of Ilwe. They uh, practice uh, language, their language skills every day. Uh, and she sort of said that Nehemia has really improved in her common language. So they do practice speaking the common language and Ilwe, uh, but apparently, but they they still prefer to converse in Ilwe with each other. Um, mostly because I think that it allows their conversations to be um, private. Yeah. Right? Because it's not it's not something that the other people in the castle know how to speak. Mm-hmm. So um, they like to converse in Ilway to keep their sort of conversations private. Um, Nehemia sort of implies that she knows that there are things Selena doesn't talk about. Um, and things that she doesn't say. And of course, we know that this is 100% true because according to Nehemia, Selena doesn't exist. It's Lady Lillian, right? Yeah. So she's saying, oh, you know, I know there are things you don't talk about. And if you need a friend, you know, I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, because on top of that, we have to factor in that Selena is essentially training you know, 60% of her day and she's really not available until late afternoons. So obviously Nehemia must have questions about where she is all the time and she can't say. So um, she's being intuitive, I think. Like, you know, I know there are things that you haven't said and if you want to talk about it, you can talk to me about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, She also notices that KL follows her around. (laughs) Um. And she gets locked in her room at night, which I didn't realize. Well, there's always been guards outside. Yeah, I know. But I didn't realize that they legit locked her door. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I guess it's not something that they should need to do if they have guards. Yeah. Really. And, and she also noticed that she can't do anything. <laughs> so, like... <laughs> Last week, um, there was a a, a, a a feast, right, for um, Sam Hoon, Hoon, whatever, um, and Selena wasn't allowed to go. So um, Nehemia is like, you know, I can tell that you're not allowed to do things. Like, it's obvious. And she sort of says, like, I think they're afraid of you. Like, if I didn't know any better, I'd say they're afraid of you. It's like, yeah, of course they are. Yeah. Well, we know they are, but... We know they are, yeah. We can, Nobody can tell her that. Yeah, it's true. Um, on their walk, they end up going to the kennels. Uh, so again, it last week's... No, in week two, uh, Dorian sort of mentions in passing in his mind that uh, one of his dogs was about to have a litter of puppies. So, uh, Selena and Nehemia walk to the kennels to see the litter of puppies. Um, unfortunately, they are mutts, so they cannot be raced. Mm -hmm. So, um, he sort of said that he'll just give them away and, like, make them pets for people. Um, when they're in, like, visiting all the puppies, Dorian sort of says that 
one of the puppies has a foul temperament, like it's not, it doesn't socialize well, so it's probably just going to be put down. Um, and Selena gets really indignant about this. She's like, how dare you? Like, just because it doesn't behave how you want it to behave, you're just going to kill it. Like, that's a mm-hmm. terrible thing to do. Uh, so <laughs> she picks it up and she's like, I'm not going to let you hurt it. And like, <laughs> um, sort of, you know, like cuddles into it and says she's going to protect it. Um, and Dorian, like, again, we're sort of seeing, you know, in the past couple of episodes, we've sort of seen that Dorian um, is... He's falling hard for Selena. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. He's having serious thoughts about her. I don't think it's reciprocated. Like, I think as seriously, for sure. Right. A hundred percent. So he swears on his crown that if it means that much to her, the puppy, he'll let it live and he'll find it at home. So, like, mm-hmm. over a puppy? Not that yeah. I disagree that the puppy should live. Of course I do. I Like, what a sin. Don't kill a puppy. It's a terrible thing to do. Exactly. But the fact that he's like, she's like, oh, he could have just said, okay, I'll find it a home then. Like, he didn't have to swear on his crown, right? Yes. Like, that's, that's a bit. It's a lot. Very extra. Mm. Um. So on their way back from the kennels, like back to the castle, Nehemia actually says to Selena that uh, Selena and Dorian seem to have a connection. Ooh. Ooh. And like, I'm sure they do have a connection. And I think that probably just also stems from the fact that he is one of the very few people that know her true identity, that she can really be herself around in this castle. Yeah. And she is attracted to him physically. <laughs> well, he's an attractive man, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I'm sure they do have a connection, whether it's one that Dorian wants. Like, I feel like he already sees her wearing her little princess tiara and like being paraded around the palace. Which is like so <laughs> presumptuous because like she's a fucking assassin. Like, it's not like she's just some girl out here trying to like, woo him she's literally already making her own way she's already famous like she doesn't need him for shit she don't need no man exactly (laughs) but um back when we first met nehemia she sort of mentions that maybe there was hope from other parties that uh dorian and her would get married Mm mm-hmm uh, but she didn't want to marry him because she essentially insinuated he was a man whore. Which uh, <laughs> I don't think she's wrong. Well, but she also said she judged him wrong. Like, she says she thought he was like a pompous asshole, but he's actually not that bad. Like, he's a decent guy. Mm-hmm. Um, And Selena sort of, like, she goes for it here. So sh- Selena declares that she would rather cut out her heart heart than love a Havillard. And that's Dorian's last name. So she would rather cut out her own heart than love a member of his family. And that like, I get it. It His family you know, are they're the ones that put her in Endovier. They got rid of magic. 
Um, you know, she's not even from Adderland. She's from Terracin and we don't yet know the extent of, of what happened to that kingdom, but Adderlin has been conquering kingdoms left, right, and center. So I think it's yeah. a fair assumption that, um, you know, they've conquered her kingdom. Um, so she sort of, I get it. Like uh, his family has done a lot of shit to her and I'm sure her family, but it's, um, I don't know, it's a bold claim. Yeah, like he's still a prince and he's still you she literally last week for us and a month ago for her. Yeah. Said that she wanted to kiss him. Yeah. So it it's just a very aggressive claim for her to make now. And like I wonder if it's more defensive that she's talking to somebody whose land is also isn't it Eelway is conquered as well, isn't it? Like, there's still a king and queen, though. I don't think Eelway is conquered yet. So I guess after this sort of statement, she sort of, like, really, like, hurries away from Nehemia and goes back to her room. On her way back to her room, she runs into Cain, who is, like, right now sort of the, I'm going to call him the front runner of the competition, um, and she says he's acting really weird. Like he's opening and closing his mouth like a fish and like clutching his throat. Um, apparently he doesn't say anything to her, but he like runs off down the hall. So she found that like a really odd interaction because normally he's really like boastful and he like has to get a dig in at her. Uh, and he didn't do any of that this time and was just behaving oddly. So yeah. she actually is very thoughtful and sends messages to Knox and Peller, who are the two other competitors that she's sort of close to and tells them like, stay in your room. Do not open the door tonight. Yeah. Um, and like, I feel like maybe her mind is starting to work on like, maybe she's starting to think about these murders. She knows that there's something evil in the castle. She has to destroy uh, and I wonder if maybe she's starting to put pieces together. Yeah. Um, we jump then to Caltane. So Lady Caltane. Um, we discussed, I think in the last episode, that um, she's got some pretty severe headaches. Mm-hmm. Um, but she sort of just sucks it up and and deals with it. Um, but she's just talking now about how her headaches are worse. Like apparently they're unbelievably painful. Uh, and she is smoking a ton of opium to help. Uh, the issue there being that it's making her high. <laughs> um, is that an issue? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. She was very concerned. So I guess the Duke Parrington comes to her room to visit and she, like, has to hide all the paraphernalia. She has to, like, air out the room. She, like, douses herself in perfume. Like, she doesn't want anyone to know she's doing the opium at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, Parrington comes to visit her room and they have a little chat. It's really... And, obviously, we know that, obviously, her... She's not sincere with him. Like, she's courting him. They're, I think, I don't know if they're they're engaged yet. I don't, I think there's, like, 
intention, but there's no promise. Right. So on her end, we know that she would rather have Dorian. Obviously, she would rather have a prince than a sweaty, chubby old duke. <laughs> yes. Um, and it seems like he's also sort of using her, but we don't know what for. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're chatting with each other, but they're very like calculated chats. And like they're almost like they're each getting jabs in and like planting seeds in each other's minds. Mm-hmm. Um, so Parrington says to her, says to Caltain that, oh, the prince called you clever the other day. Um, but when he was going to continue talking about how awesome you are and how amazing you are, Lady Lillian, a.k.a. Selena, interrupted him so that he couldn't keep saying nice things about you, Caltain. So it sort of planted the seed in Caltain's mind that it's Lillian, a.k.a. Selena, who is the thing that is preventing Dorian from, like, considering Caltain and looking at Caltain. Yeah. When we know the different, like, we know that Dorian could care less, which is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's sort of meme, but it's true. Yeah. Meanwhile, Caltain is trying to plant seeds that Lillian is disreputable. So I guess Caltain doesn't know that Parrington knows that Lady Lillian is not really Lady Lillian. Yes. Right? Like Parrington knows that she's Selena Sardothian, Adderland's assassin. She's not actually a lady. She's not actually out to get Dorian's, you know. Yeah, to get his hand in marriage or anything like that. She's mm-hmm. literally there for the competition. Caltain doesn't know that. Caltain thinks that she's a lady and thinks that Parrington thinks she's a lady. Mm-hmm. So she starts planting a seed that Lillian is like disreputable and says that she heard whispers from the court that Lillian isn't suitable as a consort for Dorian. And like, I don't know what she thinks that'll do, but I think she's hoping that um Parrington like I feel like she's using like her flirting and her feminine wiles to see if Parrington will like get rid of Lillian for her yeah I don't really know what she thinks that's gonna do because like he's even goading her on and it's it's more obvious as the reader obviously that's Mm -hmm. how it works and she's also high in this moment so it's it's clear that he's He's almost nagging her, really. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess we also see that, like, Parrington can tell that she's trying to be manipulative, but at the same time, like, he seems okay with it. <laughs> so, like, he's totally okay that his potential fiance is, like, trying to manipulate him into, like, and, and he's using it to his advantage, too. But again, like, he's trying to manipulate her as well, using Mm -hmm. Dorian sort of as the bait. But we don't really know why. Like, what is his goal? Why is he trying to manipulate his future wife? Anyway. Um, After this little conversation, we pull back to Selena. Uh, She's in her room. And Nehemia, like, sort of, I want to say barge, but barge is in the most polite way. Because obviously the people aren't going to barge in in this, like, you know, in this castle, in this time period. Um, yeah. So she, like, she comes in, but she's really upset. 
and I'm not going to lie, I found it really just diff, like this part was done as tastefully as possible, but I found it hard to read. Yeah. Um, this little bit. So Nehemia is upset. She found out that 500 Eelway rebels were caught at the border, like the Adderlin border. And because they were caught, they were going to be sent to uh, Calicula, which is sort of the sister camp, we'll say, of of Endovier. So it's another uh, work camp, like prison work camp. Um, A few of the rebels tried to escape on the way to Calicula. So the Adderland soldiers that were um, escorting them um, butchered all of them, even even the children that were there. So yeah. I just, you know, obviously it's, it's an event that is meant to, um, like it's meant to make you upset and meant to, I feel like, make you a little bit uncomfortable. But um, I just... I. You can't even imagine. And like, again, we've sort of said before that stuff like this happens, right? Mm-hmm. I'm in countries that are at war, I'm sure stuff like this is happening. Yeah. But it's it's hard to, even in a fantasy book, it's it's hard to read about. Yeah. Um. So Nehemiah is like really upset. And she's thinking right now, she's saying, what is the point of being a princess of Yilway if I can't make a difference? Like, what is the point of being there in Rifthold in the capital if she cannot help her people? Mm-hmm. Um, and she essentially collapses into Selena's arms and just cries. And rightfully so. And, like, I will say, I feel like that that she would cry for 500 people that she doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're her people, but she didn't know them personally, but the fact that she would cry for them, like shows what an awesome leader she'll be. Yeah. Agreed. She's a good princess. Uh, so after she leaves, uh, Philippa comes in. Philippa is, uh, Selena's, uh, maid for lack of a better word. <laughs> um, she comes in with tea for Selena. So Selena started having cramps, I love that they included this because so often yeah. they people go on these epic journeys and like there's no mention of periods. Mm-hmm. How long was Harry, Hermione, and Ron camping for? Yeah. Did we get one period from Hermione? Not a noticeable one. Not one that we went that was talked about. But anyway. Also, Harry's the narrator and he's like super unreliable. <laughs> For being honest, he wouldn't notice. He'd be like, Hermione was in bed thinking a lot today. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Anyway, just like, I just love that they're including, um, you know, cycles and periods and stuff in, in this book. Yeah. Um, Philippa sort of adds, and I love that they did this too. So Philippa is like, uh, I guess we'll say a loyal subject of Rifthold and Adderlin mm. and she said what a sin that happened to those Ilway people and Nehemia is really lucky to have a friend like Selena so I think Philippa is sort of she's growing on Selena's growing on her yes um 
she's Selena sort of like she's got it bad. Like she has bad cramps. Uh, and she says that she didn't know how she was going to train like this. So, um, so because she was sort of left to the brink of starvation at Endovier, her period stopped and I guess she was underweight. Now she's gained back the weight. She's been training again. She's gotten healthier. So her periods have come back. And I feel like nobody probably thought about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, who was going to think about it other than her at some yeah. point, maybe? Yeah. Um, so Kale sort of comes into the room and he's like, oh, you know, I, I really appreciate, you know, you being there and you being friends with Nehemia. And I'm just so sick over this massacre. This is such a sin. I can't believe it. And she's like, oh, I'm sick. And he's <laughs> like. He thinks that she is just like emotionally sick over the massacre. So he just keeps talking and talking. And she, eventually she throws up, throws up on the floor while he's talking. And I really loved it. I've yeah. never actually had cramps as bad where I throw up. Have you? Yeah, I haven't had them to throw up, but I've had them where I've been in bed and felt like it. But yeah. I haven't actually thrown up. Yeah, anyway, so she throws up on the floor. <laughs> he finally gets that, no, she's actually sick. <laughs> and he thinks she's got, like, the plague or something. <laughs> and then he, she has to literally, like, straight up be so obvious with him. Dude, <laughs> I'm on my period, like she has to say. My cycle is back. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Oh, he's so freaking clueless. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, so he like stammers at her and then runs away <laughs> like a freaking immature man child. Like, oh no, the mention of something that happens to all, almost all women every month. Like, oh, I can't be here. Yeah, I found it ridiculous and hilarious that he couldn't handle it. Like, you're the captain of the guard. Yeah. What the fuck? It's just a bit of blood. <laughs> yeah. And, like, if she was actually sick, would he have, like, felt better about it? At least now she's not infectious. Like, he can't get sick because of this. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so he runs away. And a little while later, Dorian comes in. And apparently Kale told him that she was on her period. So he came to tease her and I guess maybe sort of like make her feel better like automatically sort of makes you lean towards Dorian a little bit because he doesn't shy away from her the way Kale does yes but it also makes you think that like Kale was like she's in bed because of her period she can't handle it and like not actually say she was literally throwing up and she's very unwell yeah um so yeah, so he wasn't he wasn't at all embarrassed about about her being on her period like Cal was, which again, point to him. Hmm. He finds a book that she was reading <laughs> and it was like a smutty one. She was like, Oh, I'll let you borrow it, but he refuses. And then she does something that's very smart. She says, Oh yeah, Kale also refused to read it. Which 
of course makes Dorian take the book to read. <laughs> but then he sort of says, oh, I won't have you pitting me and KL against each other. But like, he just took the book. Yeah. So he like, the bait. <laughs> he he did. He 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 took took the bait. I just, oh yeah, I won't have you pitting us against each other. But I'm still going to take this book because he didn't. Like, just seems silly to me. Mm. Um. So he sort of like stares at her for a little bit, and then he blurts out that she's beautiful. And he, which said, is what everybody wants to hear when, when they're on their period for the first time in. A year, I guess. And have probably throw up mouth and like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, I'm sure it's great. And he said that he'd never known someone so beautiful for so long without courting them. (laughs) Just (laughs) so bad. So bad. Why? I roll to the nth degree. Uh, anyway, he sort of thinks in his head about how much he wants to touch her. Again, dude, she's on her fucking period. Like, it's not the time. Leave the her alone. It is leave her alone. It's not the time. Yeah, it's the place. She's in her room, but it's definitely not the time. So yeah, he's like, oh, I can't, I, I want to touch her so bad. He doesn't say Ooh. that to her, but just in his head. And yeah, it's like, Bleh. um. We learned a little bit more about Yulmis. Apparently, it's a sexy holiday. <laughs> Legit, it's a sexy holiday. <laughs> so they, it's described as a holiday to celebrate the carnal pleasures that kept one warm on a winter's night. Woo! Yeah, I, I kind of missed that part. <laughs> <laughs> and, it's quite the uh, interesting holiday. Very different from our Christmas, which is all about Santa bringing gifts to children. (laughs) But apparently it was common for women to, get this, try not to gasp, they wear their hair down. What? And they don't wear corsets. What? I know. Think of the, the raciness. (laughs) <laughs> this is almost too much for us to bear. <laughs> uh, and then it sort of sobers up a little bit about how he thinks how hard it's going to be for him to celebrate this year, considering his father's court just butchered 500 people. And I mean, yeah. fair. I don't yeah. know how you're going to think about sexy things, even with all this hair like down and cord- no corsets. <laughs> you see a woman with her hair down. I don't know how you're going to contain yourself, but... I guess he's got 500 souls on his mind, so that's sort of helping. Um, He sort of asked Selena, like, how is it you don't hate me, considering, like, my father invaded your country, sentenced you to Endovier, like, the scars that you have on your back are because of my father. Mm -hmm. And he sort of says he's ashamed that he doesn't, and, like, he doesn't feel like a man because he doesn't stop his father from committing the atrocities that he did commits. But at the same time, like, we've seen how him and his father interact. Like, yeah, when they're in private, if he says a word against his father, his father hits him. So, yeah. I mean, I sort of, a, like, I understand what he's saying. Like, yeah, I see what you mean. Like, you feel like you're one of the very few people that could stop your father and you're not. 
But at the same time, like, he's terrorizing you too. So I don't think yeah. that should just be all on. I don't think he should take the brunt of that responsibility alone. No. And, like, I don't think he'd really be able to do much because, like, the, he talked back to his father for five seconds and his father was like, you're still in my court. Like, you're not equal to me. So I don't think as much as he can push back, like, his father won't listen. Yeah. It's not a reason not to, obviously. Um, but it is definitely disheartening. And if nobody else is, like, wanting the same things as you, then you kind of feel like you're the crazy one. Yeah. Because he's, he's got Parrington and he's got his father. They're all against him, so. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so he sort of admits that he chose Selena as his champion because it would annoy his father. Yep. <laughs> so he said that he sort of had to pick someone uh, or risk, like, dissenting, and apparently he was too much of a coward to not do what he was told. So he had to pick someone, so he picked the person that would annoy his father the most. Fair. And that's literally the only reason he picked her. And, like... Good on you for admitting it, and like at least she's out. Like at least he picked her. Yeah, well, we wouldn't have a story. Exactly. <laughs> we. W- That's right. Um, he also tells her that there's going to be a Yulmis masquerade ball, but she isn't allowed to go. So, <laughs> like, why tell her there's going to be a ball if she's not allowed to go? Yeah, that's just rude. It is just rude. And again, like they are. They know her now. They know she's not running away. Why can't she go to the ball? Just let her go to the ball. I know. It doesn't make any sense. Hmm. So before uh, saying goodnight to Selena, Dorian kisses her cheek. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, that good old cheek. But like, you know, it's... Her face cheek. <laughs> her face cheek. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes. Sorry. <laughs> YA. If that was YA. not clear, it needs to be. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway. So, I guess when she, like, when Dorian left and she was by herself, she knew that Kale had, like, come into the room to ask her something, and then she threw up. So, he never did ask what he needed to ask her. So, she mm. was sort of wondering if maybe he was going to invite her to the ball. Ooh. Ooh, I know. Scandalous. After but again, the prince says, no, you can't go. Yeah. <laughs> but again, like, he got scared at the sight of, well, at the mention of a period, so he ran for it. Yeah. This is not a good point for Kaol, like, for liking Kaol in general. Mm. Yeah. Not that it's a reason to dislike him, really. It's a reason to maybe get him educated. Yeah. Like, he could learn. He could learn. And in all fairness, like, if he's going to end up with any woman, he needs to get comfortable with periods. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I was just thinking of him ending up with a man. So. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, like, would, him and Dorian would be ideal couple. <laughs> like, right. why it's are true. they letting her get in between them? They could be in love. <laughs> I mean, it would be ideal for him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we get a little time jump, and a few days later, 
uh, Kaol is watching Dorian and Selena walk around outside, which is a bit like sketch. It's like just watching them from afar. Yeah. Anyway, um, he sort of insinuates that he trusts her now and he's letting the barriers he put into place, he's letting them melt away. Uh, and he also sort of like, he gives a nod to her uh, and respects the fact that he sort of like is in shock that at 17, she survived Endovier 12 months, which is 11 months longer than most other people. Yeah. Uh, and can still like, she can still laugh about things. She can still carry on. She can still mm-hmm. like find pleasure and enjoyment in things. Um, so he, he really, he thinks and knows that she's being genuine. So again, I feel like we're seeing a development of feelings that may not be reciprocated as strongly, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm not saying but- Selena's not into him at all, but it just seems like he's probably maybe more into her. Well, in his head, it does, but it seems like they're both growing mutual respect for each other that they obviously didn't have at the beginning. Whereas I think with Dorian, he's like, I'm in love with her. Yeah. And we're like, what? <laughs> it's like, how did that happen? Yeah. So I I, I do think it's a, a bit different, but it's still like, she's clearly a very like, I don't want to say a very lovable girl. But she's, like... Has a lot of qualities that people find... uh, Attractive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I don't know, she's cool. Yeah. Well, and she's very different. And I think that's one of the things that Dorian is really responding to, is that she's very different from the normal courtiers that he sees. Because she's a motherfucking assassin. (laughs) So, (laughs) that's going to be different. Yeah. Um, we sort of jump into Selena's head at this point. So that was all in Kale's head. So now we're in Selena's head. Uh, and she's sort of thinking about what's happened in the past couple of weeks. Uh, apparently Nehemia has refused to come out on walks since finding out about the massacre. She's kept to her room. Uh, three champions have been murdered. So that's, you know, just another tick. Like, you know, it's just something that happened. MBD. Yeah. And uh, in the latest sort of challenge or test, um, the little, her good old little buddy Peller has finally been sent packing. Since. I know. I liked him. He helped her with the poisons and now he's out. Me too. And I just want to say a little spoiler, but he never comes back, does he? No. But, like, not in a any way. Just, he just never comes back. Yeah. He just goes back to wherever he came from. Which I don't remember where that was, but. I don't think they yeah, tell we us. we never hear about Never him hear from him again. again. <laughs> so if you were really attached, I'm so sorry. Just forget about it. In the yeah. next seven, eight, whatever books, no more. No more. Um, so there's only six competitors left at this point. So you'll see that we did have quite a few jumps to go from 24 down to six. We didn't hear about every competition. So there's only six of them left. So there's her, Kane, Knox, um, 
Grave, who is another assassin, the one that tried to kill Knox on the wall. Uh, Renault, who is a mercenary. Uh, and another soldier who doesn't get a name, so he's obviously going to die. It's another case of the red shirt. Another case of the red shirt, yeah. <laughs> um, Dorian actually then notices that uh, Selena is wearing a necklace. Uh, and it's the one that Elena gave her to protect her. And she tries to be sort of cagey because she doesn't want to say, oh, you know, your ancestor that ruled a thousand years ago came to me as a ghost and gave me this necklace. So I have to wear it. Uh, like, I don't think that would go over great. So she's That's crazy. <laughs> it does. So she's sort of trying to be a bit cagey and says, oh, yeah, no, I just found it in a jewelry box. It's fine. I would like to know how she has a jewelry box because, like, where'd she get a jewelry box? And where'd she get all yeah. the jewelry from it? I guess she's pretending to be a lady. She needs something to do that. So, like, she can say that Philippa brought it or something. But it, it does seem wild. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Dorian brings up, then, just out of the blue... King Gavin and Queen Elena and how she had a magical amulet that protected her from the Dark Lord Erewhon uh, and hmm. it protected her enough that it distracted the Dark Lord so Gavin could kill him and apparently the amulet has been missing for hundreds of years but he's seen like paintings of it and apparently it looks just like the one Selena has on. Hmm. Coincidence? Wild. <laughs> And she just sort of has to cover and be like, oh, it must be a replica. But we're all, we all know it's not a replica. <laughs> it's the real thing. Anyway, it's just, I thought that was just a cute little moment. Yeah. Um, later on, she's in her room reading and she hears the door to her room close. <laughs> she grabs a candlestick as a weapon. And <laughs> All I can think of is like a bell moment when she grabs Lumiere. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Um, but it's only Philippa who came in, so she like chills out. But the book she was reading fell under her bed. I don't know how it would do that, but it did. Maybe it fell on the opposite side, like down, maybe her bed's against the wall and it fell between the wall and her bed. And then she had to go really under her bed to get it. But like, I I don't know. That's not how I picture her room set up. Because in my mind, it's a very fancy schmancy room. So the bed is not up against a wall. It's like front and center. Like just with the headboard maybe against a wall. Well, maybe it fell the headboard. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're grasping. Well, she had to figure out somehow. Also, this was like a 16-year-old girl writing it, so. That's true. Uh, so she, like, has to crawl under to grab the book, and she sees under the bed that somebody drew a bunch of word marks in chalk under there. And apparently it was the same word mark that was carved into Varen's body. Varen was uh, one of the guys that were killed. So she's like freaks out and it's like, oh my God, somebody is like coming for me. So she grabs a bunch of water and like washes all the word marks off the floor. And this causes like a freak out. She's like, oh my God, I gotta go. <laughs> so she runs to the library to sort of try and figure 
the word marks out. And she finds Nehemia there. First time she's really seen her since um, finding out about the massacre. And Nehemia is there reading an advanced book in the common tongue. And she sort of says, I didn't think you could understand, like, that high a level. I didn't think you understood common tongue that well. And Nehemia tells her in a perfect common tongue accent, then you're an even bigger fool than everyone else here. And then she leaves. And I just think that's such a boss power move. I just really liked it. Uh, I didn't, I don't know. I felt that it was kind of, it was a slap in the face to the one person who actually was being nice to her and was like trying to be her friend. I guess, but I feel like if Selena was actually like being observant, I feel like maybe she would have noticed some things about Nehemia earlier. I don't know. There wasn't really anything that we saw as readers that showed that she understood, though. No, but that's what I mean. Like, maybe there's not something that we noticed, but I feel like that's why we didn't get anything, because Selena also wasn't paying that much attention. Yeah, I know. But, like, I just think back to the conversation with Kane that happened already, right? Mm -hmm. Where he, he talks about knowing who she actually is and like Nehemia didn't even balk at it. So clearly she knows a lot more Mm. about Selena than she says. So I don't know. I feel like it's manipulative. Maybe anyway. uh, So Selena finds a piece of paper tucked away sort of at the table where Nehemia had been working and she starts to think that maybe Nehemia is like not who she says she is maybe she's been deceiving everyone and like fair point well that's what she just admitted to yeah deceiving everybody so exactly um next day another test or a few days later another test passes the nameless soldier he didn't die he goes home so wild that is unexpected yeah red shirt survives (laughs) must not have been a red shirt um so there's only one test left until the duel so again if you forget the duel is what takes place with the last four contenders there's no more tests they just have a big duel to see who wins Mm. um selena says that she wants to talk to nehemia again about the other night in the library but she needs more like she needs more proof she needs she needs more i guess concrete i don't want to say evidence but like she needs to know what questions to ask so she needs more like information information yeah um she goes back to her room to prepare and there's a huge bag of candy there for her And it's all of her favorites, but there's no name on it. So she doesn't know who it's from. And I'm assuming this is like a Yule Miss present. Yeah, I I love this. She's so excited. I I just know. I love how excited she is. Yeah, Yeah, she dies for sweets and candy. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to know who knew all of her favorites. I think that she just loves everything. Maybe. (laughs) Uh, So I guess she 
goes to get she goes to get ready for temple because I guess they do have to do some sort of like religious celebration. Um, and when she comes out, I'm gonna say out of her bathroom or dressing chamber or whatever, Dorian is there. Oh, he gave her the candy, and he gives her another present, and it is the puppy from the beginning of the episode of this episode when she told him. You better not hurt that puppy. And he mm. says, I swear on my crown, I will not. And so guess who gets the puppy? She does. Um, she loves it, obviously. Uh, so he leaves and he says, maybe I'll see you after the ball. I'm going to try and duck out early. <laughs> so obviously he doesn't really want to stick around for it if she's not going to be there. Which again, I just comes back to my point. Why is she not allowed to go? Yeah, 100%. Um. I don't know what makes her wheels start to turn, but Selena starts thinking that maybe Nahimia is planning something at the ball. Like, she thinks that Nahimia is the one that is controlling the beast because she says there's no way that a human is committing the murders. She thinks guaranteed it's some form of beast. Mm. Uh, and she thinks it's Nahimia's beast and that maybe Nahimia is going to let it loose on the crowd and thinks... Not that it would be fair, but that it would be just in her to do that, considering, you know, 500 of her people were just massacred. Yeah, it just seems like such a giant leap to make yeah. that, like, this beast has been killing champions who are nobodies in the castle, really, for the most part. So to jump from that to attacking everybody at a ball seems wild. Yeah. So she makes plans then to infiltrate the ball because she doesn't really have the proof she needs to like tell people like she can't go to KL and say, hey, I think Nehemia is behind all this because he would literally be like, you're a moron. Or if he wasn't and she's wrong about Nehemia, like, yeah, so she doesn't tell anyone. She just makes plans to infiltrate the ball. Uh, and it says the thought of KL or Dorian being hurt is more than she can take. And it sort of seems like she's leaning more towards Dorian romantically at this point. Hmm. I don't know. It's just a gut feeling. Yeah. So later, I guess, after eating a whole bunch of candies, um, Selena is in church at the Yulmas service. And none of the other champions are there. And she kind of wonders why she could come to the service, but not go to the ball. Um, especially when she's seen other champions like Knox at balls in the past through her little hidey hole. Um, there's a bit of a funny scene where Kale kind of like wakes Selena awake and he's like, wake the fuck up. And she's like, how did I miss so much? Like, didn't you notice I was asleep before now? This is wild. And then she looks over at him and realizes that he was also asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a bit hypocritical on his part, but so is so much. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. Um, but she does wake up obviously in time for what's called the procession of the gods. So there are nine gods in, I guess, this realm and nine children dress up like the gods and blindfolded they walk around the church or temple 
Um, and if they stop in front of you, you get the blessing of that God. So the God of war is one of the first that goes out and it stops in front of Dorian, but then it moves to the right and gives its gift to Duke Parrington. And then the child representing Deanna, the God of the hunt, um, and maidens, uh, stops in front of Selena. I, to her kind of dread, like she doesn't want to be noticed and she doesn't want anybody to like be looking at her and which is kind of different than her normal personality, but it's, it's just not a situation where she wants to be noticed. And she says earlier that she believes in the gods when it's like worth her while to, but other than that, she kind of just lives her life. Because, like, clearly she's had a hard run. It's not something that she's, like, expecting a gods to help her out with. So the child stops in front of her and gives her an arrow as a symbol of the gods' blessing. Um, she says it isn't usable, but it is solid gold, which is kind of cool. And uh, Kale lets her keep it because he doesn't want to test the gods, and I guess, or anger them. Yeah, because I guess the concern was that it was a weapon and she's technically not supposed to have any weapons. Yes, yeah. So later that night, I guess, Selena's getting ready for the ball and uh, it's a masquerade and she feels like a princess, which is an interesting way to describe her. Selena mentions it's the first ball that she's gone to without killing someone, which is definitely... <laughs> Um, interesting, especially since the reason that she's going is to make sure that Nehemia doesn't kill people. So <laughs> it's like, are you sure about that? It seems like this, this ball is very much the same as every other one that you've probably went to. Um, and she's obviously dressed beautifully and Philippa found her a dress from nobody knows where that is beyond beautiful and fit for a king. And um, they kind of do a little ruse where Selena and Philippa kind of like leave and um, kind of make a commotion that she's going to be late and the princess invited her. So they kind of don't want the guards to question her going at all. So they're kind of just making it even more over the top than they kind of need to. Mm -hmm. But it, it works, I guess. It seems a bit unnecessary. But it does work. Um, so Ress takes her arm and brings her to the ballroom, basically. And she rem reminds herself why she's going. Um, she's trying to keep her newfound friends safe from her friend, Nehemia, which is like, I didn't really think that she was that close with Kaol and Dorian. And I thought she was much closer with Nehemia than this whole situation seems like. But yes, she was burned by Nehemia in the last scene, basically. So I, I get what she's saying. Um, when she walks into the ball, we get Dorian's point of view. And everybody pays attention to her as she walks in. Even the queen gets up to get a better look at her. And Dorian wants to walk to her and take her arm. But Kale gets there first. And mm -hmm. Kale... Yeah, Kale takes her to his shadowy alcove and he tells Woo! her off. Oh. <laughs> no fun. No fun to be had. Uh, 
so it goes back to Selena's point of view, and she just mentions that Kale didn't even wear a mask, and <laughs> he doesn't seem the type though. Like he seems like the type of dude that like Halloween, everybody's dressing up, going to a costume party. He would be the one guy who didn't. Yeah, exactly. So she she kind of talks to him at this point. She's like making some good points like you were talking about earlier. She asks how she can even become the king's champion if they don't trust her to come to a ball. And she's like Knox is here and he's a thief. So it it just doesn't make any sense not to trust her if and like they actually believe that she can win. Kale and Dorian do. Yeah. So it just it it does seem insane that they're like no, we think she can win, but we we're not going to let her come here to a ball with people that will employ her basically. Uh he does let her stay, which is obviously good, but Selena basically just goes and stands in a corner where she can scan the entire room and Nehemia is currently sitting with the king. Um but Selena, while watching Nehemia at all times, is also a bit annoyed that Dorian hasn't paid any attention to her and is jealous of the large-breasted woman that he is dancing with. So (laughs) Selena stands there for so long that she kind of feels dumb for thinking so poorly of her friend. And Nehemia actually comes over to her before she leaves the ball to tell her that she looks lovely. Um, in her accented common tongue and Selena kind of feels like this is a bit of a slap in the face after talking to her in such perfect um, common tongue earlier and she wonders if it's like a warning to keep quiet about the whole library incident Uh, but Nehemia just says that she isn't feeling well and she's like planning to leave and Selena is very icy to her before she, um, I guess, goes back to her room. Uh, Kale kind of notices how cold Selena is and asks her, like, what is going on between the two of them and, or what's going on with her even. And she says that no one's going to ask her to dance because he's glaring at everyone. And he's exasperated by it all, but he moves with her to a more favorable area and she kind of notes that she can still keep an eye out for a beast from there and you're like are you really going to like just seems a bit foolish she does have the balls kind of to ask him if he'd like to dance with her and he laughs in her face and says no and (laughs) jackass right she tells him he didn't need to be so cruel but he says that parenting is here duke parenton and he's already visibly pissed that she walked in so he doesn't want to provoke him and kale nods at dorian and comments that there are more handsome people looking to dance with her Hmm. uh they kind of have a bit more back and forth and she asks why he isn't dancing with anyone and and he remarks that he isn't really a catch for anyone because he's a lowly captain of the guard. Aww. And yeah, it's just like, it tells you a bit more about him that we didn't really get. But she tells him he's better than everyone there and that he's handsome. 
And in her head, she kind of wonders how she missed it for so long, the fact that he was handsome. Because in the beginning of the book, she's like, he's ugly as hell. So, But, like, she's so much nicer to him than he is to her. Yes, 100%. But I think that's just, like, his demeanor. He doesn't know how to talk to her. Mm. I don't think he knows how to talk to women. (laughs) Uh, Dorian shows up. And calls them both radiant, which I loved. Yeah. Um, and then he asks her to dance. And Kale's like, you shouldn't do that. And they're both like, why though? And then they go dance. <laughs> but with Dorian in front of her, she completely forgets about Kale. Which is kind of sad because she just told him that he's better than anyone in the room and that he's handsome. And it's just like, she's so torn between the two of them and whoever's right in front of her, I feel like she yeah. feels more for. Well, she literally said he was better than everybody in the room. Dorian is also in the room. So, like, <laughs> what does yeah. that say? Uh, Dorian does say that he had to work up the nerve to ask her to dance because she looks so stunning. And she's a bit disappointed by their conversation and makes her wonder what she actually wants from him. Roll in the hay. Hot sex. Seems like it. Seems like it. <laughs> so they dance for basically ever. Um, but Dorian tells her that while some parents beat their children, his also, let's underline the also, punished him with dance lessons. Um, which so- is just like a sign of how bad his child. Not like the dancing, I'm sure, isn't awful, but he did say also beat. They in addition to beating they also made him dance (laughs) and it just shows you like who how selena grew grew up that she was like well it made you a great dancer i completely understand it because like (laughs) she she grew up very similarly yeah after the age of eight Mm -hmm. um so they kind of ignore the dances changing and keep dancing together and uh Kale is watching them and obviously not at all jealous. Um, He's happy he didn't ask her, though, because uh, Parenton is looking at Dorian and and Selena and is super pissed. But you'd think that it would be better for Kale to be dancing with her than for Dorian to be dancing with her. I don't know. I, like, I feel like... I I agree with you on one hand because I feel like obviously Dorian is higher status so him dancing with her is a bigger deal but also the king is not there so Duke Parrington is the only one there to get pissed and like the duke can't punish the prince yeah like I feel like Dorian's the one that can actually stand up to him about stuff mm-hmm. like he might not yeah. care as much about KL uh, dancing but he with could her, get mad about it. But yeah. he could actually do something about it if he was if he was annoyed enough. Yeah, that's a good point. Touche. Um, I guess a courtier named Ortho comes up to Kaol and uh, asks who the lady is, and they have a bit of a small conversation about her. But then this guy mentions that it's obvious that Dorian is in love with the lady Lillian, and. Kale kind of stares at them and sees the joy on Dorian's face. And he also sees that 
he looks like a man now. And Kale kind of wonders when that happened. <laughs> it's just, that's also such a tropey moment of like, oh. he's a man now because he's been in love. <laughs> yeah. Um, Kale's one saving grace, I guess, is that this courtier didn't say that Selena is in love with Dorian. And yeah. he's like, she wouldn't be so dumb to fall in love with the prince. She's a fucking assassin. She can't do that. Yeah. We jump over to Caltaine's point of view, and she is pissed beyond belief that Lillian is dancing with Dorian all night. And she's she wants to find a way to get rid of Lillian. Um she Dun dun dun. <laughs> She's also worried that she'll eventually have to have sex with the Duke since she's made zero progress <laughs> with Dorian, which Aww. is like, wah, wah. yeah, nobody would want that. Uh, so to have sex with the Duke, I mean, doesn't seem like something anyone would want. Um, we jump back to Selena's point of view again, and uh, she leaves the ball while Dorian is gone to get them drinks. And I just like it's a bit it's a bit rude. <laughs> it is super rude. I'm, I'm gonna like, go get like, some drinks. Okay, bye, and then like peace out. She, like, and he's the prince, Jesus. She's uh It's like it's like saying it's like going on a dinner date with someone and saying you're gonna go to the bathroom and you'll be right back and then you <laughs> duck out the window or something in the bathroom. Exactly. It's the same thing. Exactly. She kind of assumes that it's late enough and everyone's safe. So she's happy that she was able to like have some fun out of the night dancing with Dorian. But now her job is done and she can go back to her room. Um, When she gets back to her room, Dorian's already there somehow. How did he get there? I, I don't really understand it, to be honest. Does he know about some secret passageways? Maybe. He must. Well, I guess he knows the castle better than she does, so. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, so he comes into her room, and he kisses her. And she's finally on the lips this time. <laughs> yeah, they, like, make out a little bit. They do. And she's enjoying it a lot until she kind of <laughs> thinks of how different things are now than when they first met when and when she was enslaved because of his father. So like, why are you thinking that while you're being kissed? You think that she would have thought of this the a million other times she's wanted to be kissed by him. It just seems, I don't know, maybe the physically actually happening kind of popped it into her head, but it just seems a bit late now. Yeah. Why, why didn't she think of it when she was holding him dancing? Great question. But she's very conflicted now and she tells him she should go to bed alone. And he kisses her before he leaves. And she's left wondering how she feels because obviously she's conflicted. But she's also feeling happier and lighter. So definitely enjoyed the kiss, we'll say. Yeah. Um, Dorian is walking away and he decides that he's going to make this work. So... <laughs> He is 100% in love with her. Yeah, he's all in. And I like like talk to her about it first, man. Instead of being like, "Oh, how can I make this work?" Like 
I don't know, ask her how she feels. Yeah. And, like, he's even talked about the issues that they have, i.e. his father, Mm -hmm. enslaving her and conquering her nation and all of these things. The fact that he has a throne and a crown that she probably don't even want. Yeah. And she has a job. And she's going to be working for his father if she doesn't go back to a slave camp. (laughs) This is really a moment where you're just like, uh, talk in to her please <laughs> at how yeah like how is he so oblivious i guess he's naive but it just seems so wild yeah um another wild thing is kaol is outside of her balcony watching her um while she is waltzing by herself and sees how happy she is and he's sad because it's not him who's making her happy Uh, you're like you don't even try to make her happy no like you're rude a lot of the time exactly so selena goes to bed and then (laughs) the next morning she wakes up to the dog licking her and then dorian just strolls into her room and she's like why are you here so early but he tells her it's 1 p.m (laughs) so I don't she know slept if in quite a bit. I don't know if I've ever slept till 1 p.m. Uh, I think when I used to stay out late, probably. Like, if I stayed out super late the night before, or if I read a book through the night, one of those two, I could sleep in. But not in the recent years. No. Um, they make a bit of idle conversation, Selena and Dorian. And she's kind of comforted by the fact that... Um, she would have heard if anyone was murdered in the castle. So she does feel bad for thinking so terribly of Nehemia. Um, but she's kind of satisfied that nobody has been killed. Right. She does wonder if her kiss with Dorian meant so little to him because he's being completely normal at the beginning huh. of the conversation with her. <laughs> but Dorian asks her, um, I guess about the dog and he asks if she's named it yet and she comes up with the name on the spot and calls him Fleetfoot. Um, I don't I don't hate it. I don't either. It's a good name. Better than Philip. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Dorian brings up the night before and Selena wants to crawl into a hole of awkwardness <laughs> because it is one of the more awkward conversations in this book. But like, that's like, have you ever watched like shows on TV now with like teenagers in them? And all of a sudden they start talking about really awkward things. And in my head, I'm thinking we would never do this when I was in a teenager. Mm. Like you don't talk about your feelings. You don't talk about things that happened. You either ignore them and let them go away or you bury them or you let them fester or you like write somebody a note and like (laughs) talk about your feelings that way like you never (laughs) like talk to somebody straight up no and I feel like yeah I don't know I just I feel like that's what the kids all do nowadays but this book is older but like in this kind of situation if you kissed last night you wouldn't come in guns a blazing saying mwah, mwah, sorry. Mwah. <laughs> sorry for being so forward 
and ask them to respond to that, you would either act like it never happened or you would try to kiss them again. Yeah. Like those were the two options. Yes. There's nothing else. I think kids this, these days are doing better than we did, but <laughs> I yeah. still found this awkward. Yeah. Oh, great. But like you never, ever, ever, and this goes for everybody, do not ever apologize to somebody you kissed for kissing them if you wanted to kiss them and they wanted to kiss you. If it was totally consensual kissing, don't apologize. Yes. That's the I'm- worst thing to do. Yeah, because then it makes it seem like you didn't want to do it. Yes. Yeah. It's not smart, Dorian. No. And like, yeah. Anyway. So (laughs) he also notices the scars on her back and calls them horrible. And she says kind of a great line here. She says, all of us bear scars. Mine are just more visible than most. And I just, I love that line from this book I just think it's very poignant um so we go back to Caltane's point of view which is an interesting turn and Caltane and Parrington are having a nice stroll and chat uh when he mentions he saw her watching the prince last night and she doesn't have to pretend and she's in her head kind of worrying that he knows that she wants Dorian but he just kind of spins it and talks about how worrisome Lillian is. And then he tells Caltane the truth, TM. Hmm. Um, so he basically tells her everything, that Lillian is Selena, that they're in a tournament, all of this stuff. She mentions looking at his black ring and a pulse in her head hurting like the start of a headache. So... She's really suffering from headaches. It's kind of wild how many she's getting. So it's obviously also... something. Yes. <laughs> she also wonders if telling the court the truth about Selena will be enough or if she'll have to come up with something more clever because we're in her head. So she's saying this to herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and she asks Parrington how they can let this go on. And he basically just responds that they can't. Um, He tells her about the duel at the end of, I guess, the Yulmas celebration, I would assume, Mm -hmm. uh, because it's still in a few days' time, and that she should slip something into Selena's drink so that, like, Dorian thinks that it's an accident, but that Kane will be able to kill her. And he tells her, like, they'll get him on the right path. After she's dead. And of course, Caltain just kind of assumes that she's the right path. Um, but then I guess parenting kind of gives her a smile that she finds terrifying as well. Um, I just, I don't understand. Like, I, okay, so I get that she, maybe she's a little disoriented because of her headaches. Mm. But in what world is the man that wants you? that has been trying to get you for a while. Uh, I just don't understand how that man, how you trust that man to all of a sudden be essentially your matchmaker and help you get someone else. Like, how is that? Like, again, I understand she's having the headaches and maybe that's impairing her judgment. I just don't understand how you can think 
yes, of course he'll have my best interest at heart. And of course he'll try and set me up with the prince, even though I'm supposed to marry him. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I think it's more so she thinks that she's so clever at trying to get Dorian. Like, she thinks she's not obvious, which she is, <laughs> but she thinks she's not. Um, so we jump back to Selena's point of view now, and she's studying a book. She um, ends up finding the word marks in it that were near the dead bodies. So somebody has written in the margins of this book, and it says that these marks summon the Ritterac, and the summoner gains the strength of the person that this animal-type beast kills. So she's also trying to find out what the word marks under her bed mean, but she doesn't have any luck. But she does realize that, you know, someone's likely opening a portal to the Ritterac, and using it to kill off the champions. She reads that word marks kind of exist outside of magic, so it's possible that they can still work, even though magic doesn't, um, which is definitely interesting and a good loophole to make portals mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she wonders how Nehemia could be hiding this, um, and how she was so eas- easily manipulated. Uh, by her and then she's like where is Nehemia hiding the strength of the champions she seems like seems like you'd notice if someone was getting stronger every week Selena also wonders if Nehemia is actually trying to start a full-on rebellion and that kind of worries her which is interesting there's kind of a Harry Potter moment where She's like, where could you even summon a creature that big? And then she's like, oh, of course, in the underground tunnels that were forgotten. And it's very, the basilisk is in the pipes. Yeah. Um, she does say something along the lines of like, all of the attacks have happened within two days of the test. So there will likely be another attack tonight. Um, but I don't think that's, I don't know if that's 100% true with the book. I don't know. I haven't been paying attention. Like I haven't like to the comments of when people die versus when there's a test. Yeah. And especially with all the time lot. jumps. Like, yeah, I think the time jumps kind of make it confusing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Selena decides to go through the secret doorway to confront Nehemia and kill her tonight. If she has to, she notices that there's like disturbed dust and follows it until she hears a man chanting. And it's not Nehemia. OMG. Right. The man is speaking in a language she doesn't know. And uh and it's Kane. Dun dun dun. Such surprise. Yes, we did not see this coming. <laughs> so Obviously, as we've said many times, he's been getting stronger each week. Um, But of course, we didn't realize that before now, even though it's been mentioned on every Mm -hmm. single time Selena's seen him. Mm -hmm. So Kane summons the Ritterac right as she's there. And it sounds like a nightmarish creature. Its legs apparently bend the wrong way, which is just disgusting. and. So Selena's there watching this creature and she tries to step back, but she makes a noise and Kane hears her. 
and a wind kind of pushes her into the room and Kane says that it wasn't meant to be her tonight but he won't waste the opportunity which is interesting because like everyone wants her dead you'd think that why wouldn't they just kill her this way why wait until the duel like I don't know I I just feel like it makes more sense to just have her murdered by a random beast than try to poison her in public. But 100%. Whatever. So Kane then moves inhumanly swift and like takes Selena's makeshift knife from her and locks her in the room with this beast. And she does start to panic, which is completely fair. Yeah. She thinks that no one's ever going to find her body because nobody knows that this place even exists other than Kane. And she feels bad that Kale will think that she ran away and also that she'll never be able to apologize to Nehemia. And notice how, like, she's thinking about Kale, not Dorian. I know. It's, it's kind of wild how flip-floppy her head is. But also, yeah. she's 18, right? She's 18 years old, so, like, I get it. If two boys were paying attention to me at 18, I'd probably flip-flop back and forth, too. Mm, That's true. (laughs) She does remember, though, that Elena, when she came to her in her dreams, said somebody wanted her in the tomb, and she knows it was so that she would know that the sword was there. And she kind of does come up with a pretty good plan. She stands in front of the door, and when the Ratarak charges for her, she jumps over its head. Um, which just sounds wild, but I guess it basically slams into the door that is locked and destroys it. And while it's still kind of trying to get out of the pieces of the door, she kind of just runs past it and runs for the tomb. Um, She makes it to the tomb and grabs Damaris, which is the name of the sword. And she turns on the Ritterac and stabs it in the face. But then... (laughs) there's a pain in her hand and again this reminds me of harry potter and the basilisk Mm -hmm. um and we we start to maybe think that its teeth are possibly poisonous because she gets very woozy and like when she finally makes her way back to her room she collapses before she can stop the bleeding so nehemia finds her and takes her to the bathing chamber to clean her up She chants in a language that Selena doesn't know. And then Selena can see word marks on her arms. And I guess the section just unfortunately ends with Selena passing out. Whoa. Quite the ending. It is quite the ending. I really, I really enjoy the way that the story is going. Like, and I think we said it before that when um, I first picked up this book I was expecting something very different than what Mm. I'm actually getting and I really like the direction that it's going yeah I agree so yeah that um that wraps it up for this week if you want to get in touch with us and share your thoughts on anything you heard in our episode or if you have any book suggestions you can email us at coffeeandcoread at gmail.com and be sure to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Coffee and Co-Read.
yeah, so next week we will be reading the end of Throne of Glass. So that is chapters 43 on. So make sure to follow along. And if you're enjoying our little chats, don't forget to follow, rate, and review wherever you find content. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you on the next page.